podcast my name is hannah and today i'm gonna be reviewing a movie called session nine that came out in 2001 and for those of you who uh haven't ever really looked into the early 2000s horror um i will say it's generally not reviewed as like a great time for horror and i'm not saying like like, we have, like, The Strangers in, like, 2008 and stuff like that. I'm talking, like, really early 2000s. Like, 2000 to 2005. Just not a great time for horror. It's not very inventive. It's very by the numbers. Um, so this movie came out in 2001, and it was... It's kind of a gem, honestly. It's uh, it's just very unique and very different, and it's... It's not a by-the-numbers sort of a movie. It's got a 66% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 63% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. So it's not, it's not like amazing. It's not the best. But I think for early 2000s, it's incredible that this movie was made and that it was as different as it was. It was directed by Brad Anderson, who was also one of the writers, and he also directed The Call. Um, that's The Call with Holly Berry, which that movie is really intense, and it makes you want to punch everyone in the face because the characters in that are just so stupid. But um, that's where you might know him from. And then the other writer is a guy named Stephen Gevedon. Gevedon? 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 I don't know how to say that word. But he plays Mike in this movie, so he's also one of the writers. And then Peter Mullen is in here, who plays Gordon. He's in the new Lord of the Rings series, which is very exciting. Good for him. I don't know what role he plays in the new Lord of the Rings. Personally, I hope he's Gimli. I think he'd be a good Gimli. He, he's also in uh, Harry Potter, The Deathly Hollows Part 1. He plays Yaxley. And then he's also in Train Spotting, which I've never seen, so... He might be a familiar face. And then we have Larry Fessenden, who was a familiar face to me personally. He's here in a small role. He's one of the producers for House of the Devil. He was the dad in Jug Face. He's in We Are Still Here. And he's also in Your Next, among other things. So he might be familiar to you as well. And as I've said, the early 2000s, they're just generally not a great time in horror. I mean, we've got, you know, Wreck, but we've also got 13 Ghosts, and we've got, you know, The Strangers coming later on, but then we also have the House of Wax remake. So for every good one, there's so many horrible ones made. Like, it was just, it was a ridiculous time, but this is nothing like any of the movies that were being made at the time. And I remember my first watch, I, I remembered liking it overall. Um, I 90% loved it, 10% didn't really like it. Um, and I think it's just mostly the ending. It doesn't pack as much punch as I wanted it to. And I'm not sure if that was because of the budget or if it was a writing thing. I'm not really sure. Um, but 
overall, like, I, I'm never going to rate a movie. You know, I'm going to let you know if it's scary or not. I'm going to let you know if it was boring or not. But I'm never going to be like, oh, this movie on a scale of 1 to 10 is an 8. Because that doesn't actually tell you anything about the movie. I will say that I generally uh, review movies and I... I classify them as worth your time or not worth your time. I classify them as fun, boring, scary, intriguing, those sorts of things. And I think this movie is worth your time overall. And I think it's a very intriguing movie. It's very well acted, very well thought out. It's a very fun setting. And it's just, it's just overall different. Like this storyline, like the reason they're in this place is very different. Like it's just it's just a different movie. So I would say go watch it. It's up on Shutter now. Um, I found a copy of it at Vintage Stock a couple years ago. I think it's a good movie. Definitely, like I said, it's worth your time. Um, so go watch it. Come back because we're getting into the spoiler territory. Uh, if you need the trigger warning, there is. I thought there was no trigger warning needed in this movie. But there is actually, like, a graphic discussion of, like, rape. Um, and granted, the rape that they're discussing didn't actually happen. But the way he's discussing it is, like, it's just very, like, it's it's pretty graphic. Um, so if you're sensitive to that stuff, maybe skip this one or skip that part. Um, but, yeah, it's, I mean, overall, it's there's not really anything in it that you see that's very disturbing in a particular way. Um, so go watch it. Come back. Did you watch it? Are you back? Great. Good. So we're st we start the movie with this weird, uh, creepy intro. And I just have to say that I love the sound design in this movie. Um, so Gordon seems to be having a moment. He's our main character. He is in his van, just like, you can tell he's just like, like collecting himself. Um, and they point out Gordon's tired, and it seems like it's because of his new baby. And he's talking to his work wife, Phil, who is a man. But um, it's definitely his work wife. Like, you can't, you can't watch this movie and see their relationship and be like, no, that's not his work wife. We all have them. It's fine. It's okay. Sometimes you're someone's work wife, and you just don't even know it. I'm sure I've been someone's work wife, and I just don't even know it. Um, but they're discussing the job. And they're discussing what they're doing there a little bit. And this security guard comes up and they're asking him questions. And they're apparently outside of this old institute. And of course, this isn't like an institute of science or anything like that. No, this is like a medical institute for insane people. Um, because like, where else would we be? This is a horror movie. And they're bidding on some sort of job they're talking about. And then they're going through the building and they're talking about the building just like different stuff. They're talking about hydrotherapy tanks. And then they're also talking about lobotomies, which is a thing in this movie. So definitely put your finger on that. So you're walking through and they're talking, discussing the job and the bidding and all that sort of thing. And you find out, oh, they're dealing with asbestos. For those who don't know, asbestos is like a type of mineral that occurs in different materials, fiber materials. So it's not a good thing because it can, it's, it flakes off and it gets into your lungs and it can cause cancer. 
So asbestos is like, it's a not good. We don't want it around. And as they're talking about the asbestos in this building and what they're going to do about it, my dad was watching this with me. And I, I don't understand why he knows so many things about just different things. Like he's never worked with asbestos, but he was like, oh yeah, there's friable and non-friable asbestos. And I was like, okay. And then of course they mentioned, oh, that's not friable and da 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 da. My dad was like, oh, someone did their research for this movie. So apparently it's either well-researched or one of the writers must have worked with asbestos at some point. But they're, um, they're going through and the guy who's in charge of hiring someone to take care of the asbestos, he's telling them about the building and all the different assets of facets of the building, excuse me. And he describes it being like a bat and there's like the wings are like the patient wards and the centers, like, you know, the main area. And he says that the, the worst patients were put in an area they called the snake pit, which is the furthest from the staff areas. Um, and as he's explaining this, Gordo starts having another moment and he hears a voice. And then they're talking about, you know, how long this job is going to take and Gordon and Phil, you know, they have some kind of dispute about it. Like, Phil's like, this is at least a three-week job and Gordon's like, we can do it in two. Gordon is very Irish, by the way, which I love. It's a very random thing in this movie, but like, I absolutely love that he's Irish. It's just a great different flavor. Um... So his Irish voice is like, oh, yes, we can do it in two. And uh, which Phil doesn't seem to think that this is going to be done in two. And he doesn't seem to agree with Gordon. But of course, Gordon's in charge as his business. So he backs down and you kind of see that the work marriage might be a little rocky right now. Uh, then we get we're walking through and there's like a ton of graffiti on the walls and we get some fun penis art right here. And then <laughs> just 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 a fun fact, just fun penis art and then we walk into this room that has a bunch of pictures on the wall and the guy who's in charge of the bidding he's or in charge of hiring he explains like oh yeah this is part of some popular therapy technique that was you know popular in the 70s it's kind of fallen out of fashion but you just kind of like take pictures out of magazines and make a collage on your wall so we're looking at that and that's fun and creepy and then as they're leaving, Phil says, oh, I forgot my bag. So he leaves Gordon and the guy who's in charge of hiring, I think his name's Bill, he leaves them alone. He goes back into the bat, as he says, and um, there's a Gordon gets to have a proud dad moment. You know, the guy's congratulating him on his baby and everything, and he's like, you want to see my baby? And the way he says it is really cute, and he pulls out his wallet, and he's showing off pictures of his baby girl, Emma, which is wonderful for him and then we switch gears Gordon starts begging for this job and he's like I need this job I can do this job we can do this job in one week um and he which seems to be definitely pushing his limits and the limits of his workers because he's like I've got four guys I'll hire another one we'll we'll be done in a week you know and so it seems like he gets the job because why else would we, would we be continuing at, in this movie at this place if he didn't? And he's sitting outside of his house and he's looking at pictures before he goes into, this, into his home. And as he goes in, we see his wife pick up the baby. They're outside. She picks up the baby and goes back inside. And then we get this ominous voiceover of his wife that's cut off by a title card that says Monday. 
So this movie is also broken up into days, which I love. I think it's a fun mechanic because it really does put time constraints on things and it seems like we're counting down to something, which is great. I just love that. And so we're kind of, we get to meet the crew a little bit and Hank seems to be the kind of guy that makes you fray at the edges on purpose. Like he's just sitting there trying to get your goat, which is great. Love that. What a pain in the ass. Then we have Gordon's nephew. His name is Jeff. And then we have Mike, who's a really smart guy. And we learned throughout the movie that he went to school to be an attorney, but then dropped out for whatever reason. Hank comes into the room and he's like, who's this? And Mike goes, they call it Jeff. That's so rude. And then Hank is talking to Jeff about you can't play that type of music because the vibrations will put asbestos into the air and blah, 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 blah. And But he calls it spooge dust. And I I was like, that that seems, that does not seem correct. Like, that sounds inappropriate. Google it and it sent me to Urban Dictionary. So I'm pretty sure he's just talking out his ass. Like, spooge dust, that's... Don't 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 look it up on Urban Dictionary unless you're that kind of a person, you know. But like, it just trust me, it's not it's not what Hank seems to think it is. So they all kind of separate, do their own things, split off into groups to get stuff done, and then we have lunch. And during lunch, Gordon explains um, the bone. Gordon and Phil explain their ten thousand dollar bonus. But then they confess to the time constraints. So they get a $10,000 bonus, but only if they're done within the week. Um, so then the guard comes in and they're talking about um, why the Institute shut down. And the guard's like, oh, it's because of budget cuts. And Mike explains that it wasn't shut down just because of budget cuts. It's because of the Patricia Willard scandal. And everybody's like, ooh, what's that, of course. And he talks about regression therapy, which, for those of you who don't know, it's a way of trying to reconnect to old memories. Um, but since it's come out, it's kind of been, it, it's not, it's not been seen in a good light, I will say that. So it's a it's scientifically and in modern times, it's a very controversial method. Some people still believe it, believe in it, and some people still use it, but there's a potential for false memories so they're talking about Patricia Willard um she remembers all of these false memories she's thinking that she's being raped by her dad and her family's part of it and they're sacrificing babies and all this stuff and they get really really graphic with it um but then it turns out that none of that's real and they figure that out because a physical exam on Patricia shows that she's still a virgin so she wasn't really being raped because, you know, she's a virgin. Um, so they had, the hospital had to pay out tons of money to Patricia Willard's family who countersued the hospital, which Mike explains is the other reason the hospital or the institute shut down. So not just the budget cuts, but this Patricia Willard scandal. And I will say that I I don't know much about regression therapy. I've never tried it. I know that in pop culture, there's like a bunch of stuff about how regression therapy creates these false memories. But I do know that in the medical community or the psychological community, it's controversial as well. And I do know that there are there are people who still practice it. And it it's you undergo hypnosis in order to bring up these memories. So like I said, potential for false memories kind of iffy uh that's where I'll leave that 
Um, but we get a scene where Phil and Gordon are talking. They're having their work husband, wife, work spouse discussion. And Phil says he wants to get rid of Hank. He's, he knows this other guy named Craig who will show up. He gives a shit. He says Hank doesn't. Hank's unreliable. Hank's this. Hank's that. He's an asshole. And Gordon um, does not like that Phil even suggests this. Gordon seems to be very conscious of other people's, um, like, he's like, Jesus, we're talking about Hank, you know, and he's like, he doesn't want to fire Hank, because even though Hank is kind of a a dipshit and a dumbass and an asshole, he he doesn't want to fire him, just because Gordon seems like the kind of guy who, like, doesn't want to put someone out on the street. Um, so we're back in the building, everybody's working again, and Jeff and Mike are working together with this big machine that needs to be plugged into the generator, and it goes off. So Mike's like, hey, something's wrong with the breaker, we gotta go check it, and Jeff's afraid of the dark. He's he's like, I got nyctophobia, and he's like, what? And he's like, I'm afraid of the dark, and Mike's like, Mike's so sweet, he's like, okay, fine, I'll go check it. So Mike goes to check the breaker box, which... They don't even bring this up, but that shit was unplugged. That's not normal. Like, if your breaker trips, your your wires don't come unplugged in your room or whatever the fuck. Like, that, that's sketchy. Um, which, like I said, they don't ever bring it up. So fucking weird. But Mike is messing around down there, and he finds a records room, which is always a good time. Uh, then the day is over, and Mike says he goes back in. Mike's like, oh, I forgot something or whatever. So, that, you know, Phil's like, oh, Mike's going back in. Mike goes back in to play some recordings of a patient that he finds, and the patient is named Mary Hobbs. And Mary Hobbs seems to suffer from multiple personality disorder, which I, I believe that has since been renamed, and it's been kind of, um, it's been kind of reworked. I don't know what they call it anymore, um, but essentially what happens with this disorder is your mind cannot handle whatever trauma is happening to you. It can't process it. So in order to help you live through it, it creates an alternate personality and this personality can disconnect from this trauma that is happening to you. So if you've ever wondered what that's about, there you have it. That's what that is. It's not, you know, people pretending to be other people. There's usually a triggering sort of statement or a triggering sort of questioning. Something triggers this personality switch. And so they stop being them and they start being this other person. So that's what Mary seems to be suffering from. So he's playing these um, tapes and again, just a wonderful, wonderful sound design. I just, I absolutely love these tapes and the way they're, they're so creepy and I just, I just love them. Like the voices that are in them, whoever does the voice work for that, amazing, amazing job. And so as he's listening, Mary splits her personality. He's questioning her about a specific night. I think it's on Christmas or shortly after Christmas and she doesn't want to remember. So her personality splits and she stops being Mary and she becomes the princess and the princess is not very helpful. So um, then we get a shot of Gordy outside of his house, and it's raining, and he's he's looking at his house, but we don't see him go in. So we kind of assume he, he doesn't go home. And then it's Tuesday, and again, just love the day by day. Gordy seems to be having another moment. 
um, and he hears a voice say, you can hear me, which if you're hearing voices talking to you, maybe seek help. If you hear a voice that says, you can hear me, uh, definitely seek help. But then we get this, uh, this questioning, Jeff's questioning Mike, and he's like, what's the deal with Phil and Hank? Hank stole Phil's girlfriend just to be a dick. That's what Mike says anyway. Not the just to be a dick, but he's like, yeah, Hank stole his girlfriend. And he's like, don't get on Phil's bad side. So then we see Hank's in the basement. He's marking stuff to be torn down because it's filled with asbestos. And he's looking and he finds like a coin from the 1800s. And he's like, oh, hell yeah, because those are worth something. They definitely are. And then he finds this whole coin stash lodged in the wall between these bricks and he starts pulling at it and there's more coins and there's other things. And he's like, hell yeah, like, you know, I hit the big time right here. So then he starts putting all the stuff back, puts the bricks back because he's going to come back for it later. And we see as he's putting the stuff back that it's the back of the crematory furnace in the morgue. So that's great and creepy. Love that. Then it's lunch. Uh, Mike is missing in action. He's MIA. He's listening to Mary's tapes again. And Billy, not the princess, appears this time. And Billy's talking with the doctor and the doctor's questioning him. And the doctor's like, Billy, where does the princess live? And he's like, well, she lives in the tongue. He, she lives in Mary's tongue because she's always talking. And he says, Billy, where do you live? And he says, well, I live in the eyes because I see everything, you know. And he says, and what about Simon? Where does Simon live? We don't talk about Simon. Uh, Billy does not want to talk about Simon. He's like, uh-uh, no way. Um, so then we get to outside. Everybody's having lunch. And Jeff is fucking annoying. Um, he's just, like, eating food and, like, what are you, lobotomy case? And there's, like, food coming out of his mouth. It's disgusting. I hate when people do shit like that. It's so gross and immature. Just don't like it. And uh, so Mike gets pissed. Because he's back with the guys now. He gets pissed and he grabs Jeff and he starts talking about an ice pick lobotomy. And that's pretty graphic and scary. Uh, note to self, don't piss off Mike either. Because he talks about how you just put the ice pick like pretty much in the corner of the guy's eye by the nose. And he's, he's using scientific terms, but he's essentially you just put the ice pick up in there, scramble their brains around a bit, and you've created a lobotomy. And the only, he says, he's like, the only, he says something about how the only way to tell is there's just a little black, he gets a black eye. And then Hank gives Mike an actual compliment. He's, he's like, no, I mean it, dude, like, you're way too smart to be shucking this shit with us. And I'm like, oh, wow, Hank can actually be nice. And then Mike's like, I'm gonna go check whatever whatever no he's not he's gonna go listen to more tapes he's got some tapes to return and uh, hank is like i'm gonna take a smoke break and i'm like damn everybody's just taking breaks all over the fucking place this shit is never getting done they're not getting that bonus <laughs> but hank starts talking about gambling and an exit strategy and he's not talking about being a gambler but a dealer and that's you know his exit strategies he's gonna go to casino school and become a dealer and then he starts talking about uh asbestos in your system which is kind of terrifying can't blame jeff for being a little terrified i don't like it mm -mm, no thank you and as he's talking mike goes 
to, I think it's where the tapes are, but he finds roses, white roses covered in blood, which Gordon had bought white roses for his wife the night that he was going to go home. And Hank's still talking shit. He's talking exit strategies. And he talks about, you know, Mike's going to go back to law school. That's his exit strategy. And then Phil's got his own exit strategy. He'll tell you about it sometime, I'm sure. And then he said, Gordon, he can't have an exit strategy. This is his life, you know. And he's like, oh, yeah, Gordon, you, you better hope that you've got some of those genes in you because Gordon's nerves are steel, you know. I, I never see that guy lose it. He said, but lately I've been seeing cracks in him. I think the stress of the baby and the wife and the new job stuff and... I guess there's like, there's not much work around. So he's like, yeah, the stress of this whole place, just getting to him lately. So you can just see it. So then Gordon calls Wendy and we don't hear much because we're like through the window of the Institute looking in and the generators going, but we do know that she hangs up on him. And then he sees Phil out back making a shady deal with some shady looking dudes and you're like, oh, ho, ho. so that night, Hank comes back to get the coins and he finds, ew, eyes? He finds eyes. I, I don't know how to explain that to you. They're like glass eyes, I guess, but that, ooh, freaky. And he also finds hair, which gross. And then he finds a medical pick. And he takes, he takes like all of it, except probably the hair. He takes all of that and throws it in a sack. And then he's listening to shitty music. And he's trying to get out of there and he sees something and gets spooked. And the thing he sees is very, it's very clearly a human being stepping into the frame, like stepping into the hallway at the end of the hallway and he gets spooked and he runs away. And then these birds fly out and he's like, ha, birds. And then he feels better. And you're like, what? You think that was birds? How? You saw a whole ass person. How, how did you, how do you think that that was birds? Makes no fucking sense. But then it's Wednesday, and there's no Hank, of course, because uh, birds... And they wait They wait a while for him to show up. Like, they probably wonder, oh, maybe he's just running late, maybe he's having car trouble. Like, those are the types of things that you would generally wonder. Um, but there's still no Hank come lunchtime, so then Phil, he's like... Uh, Gordon's trying to call around to see if anybody knows where Hank is and they're like well maybe you should Mike's like maybe you should call Amy which is Phil's ex-girlfriend and Hank's girlfriend and uh, he's like does anybody know Amy's number and nobody says anything so he's like I'll call information and Phil's like I know the number give me the damn phone so Phil calls Amy to see if she knows where he is and she's clearly like distraught over the phone and Phil talks to her for a second and he's like, no, you just, you hang in there. He's clearly happy about something. And he's like, no, 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 you, you hang in there. And when he hangs up, he's like, yeah, she says Hank left town. He says he's got his meal ticket. He says he's going to gambling, or uh, excuse me, casino school down in Miami. And he left town last night. And then Gordy's like, hmm, something is off. And he, he gets pissed at Phil because of the drug guys. And he thinks maybe Phil has something to do with Hank leaving and Phil's like, are you questioning my job performance? And he's like, maybe I should. And Gordy, after he gets pissed, he goes off on his own. And we see that he's got some blood on his hands, which is never a good sign. And then while he's off, Gordon's off having his moment again. Phil's talking to Mike. 
and he's like, he's just talking mad shit on Gordon's baby and his wife. Like, wow, like this man found like a wife and he has a baby and he's just talking shit on them. Like he's like, Gordon never wanted a baby and da 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 This is all Wendy's fault. Da 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 da. It's that kid that's like making him so tired and stressed. And Mike tries to calm him down, like, because you can tell Mike's not comfortable with Phil talking shit on a baby. But Phil is just refusing to chill out. Like, he's he's not having it. He's like, you shuck shit out here with us and da-da-da-da-da. Not having it. And then we get some shots of Gordon wandering around, which is always a wonderful sign when someone is just wandering around an old loony bin by themselves. Um, Mike starts doing some digging on Mary back in the filing room that he found. So I know that this seems kind of like disjointed, but there's not much as far as transitions go. It's just like, this is happening and this is happening at the same time. Or it's like, this is happening, cut to this happening now. But it's not jarring. There's just not like much in the way of transition. So anyway, Mike's, he's doing some digging on Mary. Gordon tries to call Wendy again. He's sitting in this area. So like at the beginning of the movie when Bill was talking about, oh yeah, like all this stuff for this old medical institute, blah, blah, blah. He talks about how there are graves, but they don't have names on them. They're just numbered, which is weird. And he's like, let me just show you. And they end up not going. But as Gordon's wandering around, he wanders out into this like field where there's like, you know, logs and stuff just laying around so he he sits down on a fallen tree and tries to call Wendy and as Gordon is sitting we get you know we cut down and we see that he's sitting over someone's grave and the grave is Mary's grave and nothing really happens with that it's just spooky so even though it's spooky Jeff comes over and he's like oh I'm sorry I didn't know you were on the phone but it's okay because Wendy already hung up or whatever so then Jeff is actually really sweet in this scene. He's like, thank you. I just wanted to thank you for giving me this job and I'm going to work my ass off for you, Uncle Gordy. It's super sweet. And he's like, Gordon's like, yeah, man, we're family. But he's like clearly, clearly having a moment again. And then it's more Mary time. And Doc is talking to Billy on the tape and he wants Billy to help him wake up Simon. And we get to see some fun photos of Mary um, and Billy also is like, nah, man, we still don't talk about Simon. So, no. So then it's the end of the day, and Gordon, of course, wants to talk with his work wife since his real wife won't talk to him. And Gordon's like, it's so funny because Gordon's like, did you ever do something that you wish you could take back? And Phil's like, yeah, I think, uh, introducing Hank to Amy, that's one I could have back. That's one I would want to take back. <laughs> And you're like, yeah, that's valid. But then Gordon admits to hitting Wendy and the mood totally changes. And he admits that he hasn't gone home since he did it because she won't talk to him. And he's he's so distraught about it. It's so sad. Like, he's like, I hit my wife. I love my wife. And he's like, I don't know if it was, you know, the baby crying or the dog barking. But she spilled some water on him, some hot water. And he's, he's had, like, a leg injury the whole time. So he says, you know, I was going to go up and kiss her. But then she turned and spilled water on my leg. And he's like, and I just, I snapped, I hit her. And he, after he confesses this to Phil, he begs Phil to keep quiet. 
and then Phil's like, yeah, you you know, Phil's like, I'm here for you, man. Like, it's okay. He's like, where have you been staying? And he says, at a motel, which is a fucking lie. Like, I immediately knew the first time I saw this. I was like, that's a fucking lie. You're clearly struggling financially. You're not staying at a motel. And he's not. He's staying in the van. But um, he says to Phil that Phil was right about Craig and that he should call him. And Phil says, uh, Phil's like, hey, those kids... They're graffiti artists. You don't have to worry about them. Like, I scared them away sort of a thing. And you're like, bullshit. Graffiti artists do not come to this place, see vans out front, and then go in and do their graffiti shit. And also, they wouldn't be standing behind the dumpster. They'd be in the building. You're such a liar. But whatever. Gordon doesn't say anything. Um, And, of course, we see I was right. Gordon's not staying at a hotel. Um, he's staying in the van and we get the fun, creepy voiceover from when he hit Wendy and some good, fun, creepy imagery too. And, uh, that voice being like, do it, Gordon. It's great. Wonderful. Everything's fine. So then he goes into the Institute and he's drawn to this creepy chair that we, we've been seeing the whole time. And then it's Thursday. Yay, Thursday. And as Thursday opens up, we see Phil is rolling and smoking a joint. So, you know, you think back, the first time I saw this, I thought, oh, he was buying drugs from those kids. No, 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 he was dealing drugs to those kids. Like, that's his exit strategy. So, Gordon pulls up and he is, like, not having it. Like, Gordon is like, oh, man, Gordon needs help. Gordon needs so much help. And Phil's like, yeah, I'll go inside. I'll see you later sort of a thing. Because he can tell that Gordon needs help. But he's freaking out. So then uh, as the day kind of rolls on, Phil pulls Mike aside and tells him Gordon needs to take some time off because he's becoming a liability. And I'm like, oh, shit. Phil does not give a fuck. He straight up tells Mike that Gordon hit his wife. And I'm like, wow, what an asshole. Also, Phil... What the fuck? You can't kick Gordon out. It's his fucking business. Like, this isn't the high seas, man. You can't just be, look at me. I'm the captain now. That's not how this works. There's, like, legal shit you have to go through. But as he's telling Mike, Gordon hears. And you're like, oh, snap. So then Gordon approaches and Mike lies. He's like, oh, we were just talking about uh, your nephew, Jeff, and blah, 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 blah. Bullshit. Gordon knows it's bullshit. He doesn't say anything, but you can tell he's, like, he's fed up fed the fuck up so jeff goes to check the breaker and as he's going upstairs he finds hank and hank is clearly not all right he he just keeps going what are you doing here and you're like um like if i'm jeff i'm running away i'm so sorry hank but i'm not but jeff is too dumb to run away right away so he he's just talking to hank and then hank like lifts up his hand and touches the glass and there's like blood on it and then jeff finally gets the hint like maybe i should run away So he's running towards them and Gordon's sitting there talking to Phil and uh, Phil and Mike and he can smell the bullshit but he doesn't say anything and Phil has one of the coins that Hank had and you're like oh shit and then Jeff busts in with the news that he found Hank and Phil's all like that's bullshit and Phil is so defensive it's ridiculous and he's like aggressively defensive. So Of course, Gordon's like, sus, and he's like, where is he? And everyone takes off to go find Hank. No Hank, um, and Phil is, like I said, being very aggressive about Hank not being in town. Like, he's like, how the fuck does that make any sense? If he's in Miami, why the fuck would he be here? 
And you're like, whoa, buddy, calm down. Like, why would Jeff just make shit up? And poor Mike. Mike is just like, they keep dragging him into things. He just wants to listen to his tapes, bro. He just wants to return his tapes. And Gordon's like, you guys are coming with me. She splits everyone up. And Phil's like, fuck you. And he's like, Jeff, you're coming with me. So then Mike goes with Gordon for a bit. And like I said, Mike just wants to listen to his tapes. So he pieces out, and which is valid good move gordon and phil are being fucking crazy you just work here man like i wouldn't stick around with that shit either everybody's losing their minds so mike says oh did you hear that i'm gonna go this way and as he walks away he's like fuck this (laughs) he goes off to listen to his tapes he doesn't even say fuck this and leaves and gets in his car and goes away he's like i gotta go finish my tapes first so then phil and jeff They go into the tunnels. Mike goes to his tapes. Jeff gets spooked uh, when the power goes all wonky. And he's supposed to stay there and wait for Phil. But he doesn't because the power goes out. And he's like, or it's starting to go out. And he's like, fuck that. I'm not doing that. And Phil finds Hank. And then the generator goes out. So Mike is like listening to his tapes. And it goes out mid-tape. So of course he's pissed. He's like trying to return my tapes damn it and he goes out to check the generator and then we get a good shot of jeff trying to outrun the dark and it is so so good i love the shot and then phil's talking to hank and hank's talking to himself going what are you doing here which is great um hank's clearly in a good place gordon comes over the radio and he says that he thinks he found hank And clearly he did not. Phil has found Hank. So, and it's crazy because he's talking to Phil. And Phil's, like, staring at Hank. And Gordon's like, I think I found Hank. And Phil's like, um, no. Which he does not say to Gordon, of course. Because Phil and Gordon are headed to work relationship divorce court. So, Gordon's hearing voices. Mike goes out to turn on the generator so he can return to his tapes. I mean, no one's... I mean... Why not? Like, you know, everything's fucked. Why not do that? No one is doing well. Why not just be listening to your tapes? Gordon feels the call of the chair. It's talking to him some more, which is great. Uh, Tapes start going the second the power is back, which gives us a wonderful voiceover. And Simon speaks. Simon says he killed Peter and the whole family that Mary let him. He's like, you know... The brother, Mary's brother, Peter, like, pushed her onto her doll, and it cut her, and he told Mary to kill him with his knife, and then she killed the whole family, and we we understand now, too, because we're finally hearing Simon's voice, that Simon is also the voice Gordon hears, which is not good. And we see, too, the room Gordon keeps being drawn to used to be Mary's room, and Emma's pictures have been added to the wall, which is also not a good sign. And Phil is, like, looking for Gordon. He's got his knife out when he approaches. And you're like, oh, no, this is not going to end well. And then we cut to Jeff coming out of the tunnel, screaming, freaking out. He makes it to the van. He calls out over the radio for anyone and then starts stuffing his face with Oreos. And then we get him being like, oh, hey, I'm sorry. I was freaking out. He's talking to someone. He's like, I'm sorry. I was freaking out. And I, I found these orders in the van. Hope that's okay. And then we cut to Friday. And we've got the tape rolling over and over and over. And we see pics of Mary. And we've got Phil over the radio. 
calling out to Gordon, and Gordon answers, and Phil says, we found the one. We found the one who is responsible. So, of course, Gordon goes in, and everything in in this whole, like, last, like, the last day at this point is very atmospheric, except Craig. Craig shows up, <laughs> and he pulls up, and he's like, this fucking place, all right. And he gets in, and there's a bloody handprint on the van, and Craig goes inside the building, and he's looking for everyone. And I'm just like, poor Craig. He just wants to get paid. He just wants to show up, do a job, and get paid. He's He has no idea what the fuck he's walking into. Like, he's the real victim here. So Gordon's walking in through the building, like, through the areas they've been working in. And he sees Hank on a bunch of plastic tarps. And Phil is there. And Phil tells Gordon, Gordon said, you do this. And he feels like he was a liability. He was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. And he's like, Gordon, I need you to wake up and take a real good look at him. And so Gordon's like, what the fuck is happening? So he pulls the sunglasses off of Hank. And we see that Hank has the pick in his eye. Bum, bum, bum. He's been lobotomized. So, of course, Gordon freaks out. He's like, did you do this? And he accuses Phil of hiring those guys to do this to Hank. And Phil says to Gordon that I wouldn't tell anyone about this or they'll find the others. And Gordon's like, the fuck are you talking about? And he tells Gordon to wake up, wake up. Gordon, I need you to wake up. And Gordon finally just goes, I am fucking awake. And then Craig walks in and Phil disappears. So clearly we don't believe that Gordon was awake. And Craig is like, um, what's going on here? <laughs> like, like I said, poor Craig. Like, he's just trying to show up and do a job and get paid. But, like, there's a dead body on the floor practically. And he's like, um, guys? And Gordon is, like, not, not being helpful. He goes into creeper mode. He, he, like, wrestles with Craig and gets him in a chokehold. And then he takes the pick out of Hank's eye and puts it in Craig's eye. And another lobotomy. He's been lobotomized. So so once Gordon kill, I don't think he kills Craig. Maybe he does. I don't know. It's not really clear. He might have just lobotomized him. Um, but as after he does that, he starts walking through. And we see that he has just killed everybody. Like, he, he just killed everybody. Um, and Simon's talking over. And Simon's, you know, the doctor's talking with him. And Simon says... That Mary let him kill her family. And he's like, they always do. And you're like, oh, okay, that's that's great. And after we see that Gordon has killed all of his crew, we also figure he's he killed his family as well. And we get to hear the audio of that. We don't see it. Um, but after she, you know, Wendy accidentally spilled the water on him, he just kills her. And then he kills the baby, which is wonderful. And as he's walking, he's going back to that one room. He feels the call of the chair, and then Gordon's sitting down on a bed, and he calls Wendy on this broken phone in Mary's room. And, yep, he's, uh, he's totally lost it. He's on the phone. He begs Wendy to let him come home. He's like, I just want to come home. Could you please forgive me? And he's like, I want to hold my baby. And we end with the tapes, and Doc asks Simon where he lives. And he says he lives in the weak and the wounded. And then we end the movie.
And like I said, I love everything except maybe the last like five or ten minutes of this movie. Um, even on the first watch, I felt like something was missing. And I don't, I don't think it's the Phil, like, misleading stuff. Like, I loved that. Like, I thought Phil was really misleading. I thought the way he was acting was great. Like, I was like, I, I don't know who it is at this point because Phil is being so fucky. He's being so weird. Um, and I think that that adds to the movie. And I don't even think that it bothers me that even after Phil's dead, we're still, like, low-key, like, are you the one? Like... That doesn't bother me at all. I think maybe, I think maybe the issue is that there's just not enough interaction with Simon, even at the end. Like, I get we can't have a ton of interaction with him throughout the movie, because that ruins the mystery of it. And I get that we can't really, we can't really talk to Simon because he's in these tapes and in Gordon's head, but there's just, like, there's not enough interaction with him and Gordon or Gordon and him at the end. There's no, like, final confrontation. Like, Gordon, yeah, Gordon hears him, but we, we don't get to hear so much of him. Like, there's little hints of it throughout the movie, but there's, like, not a full conversation with Simon and Gordon. And I, I think that would have helped. Like, if at the end, yeah, he calls Wendy and everything and it's really sad, but, like, maybe, like, a final confrontation with Simon... I don't know. It just, the ending is, it's cool. And then the last like four minutes of it is just very deflating. Like I like the ending. I like the plot twist, but I just, I think it's so deflating the way it's executed. Um, But that's pretty much my only issue with the movie. Overall, it's a really good movie. Definitely worth your time. Like I said, it's not very scary, but it's intense and intriguing and Phil is just an excellent red herring. Like, the, the whole first watch, I was like, wait. Because, like, me and my dad were both like, oh, Gordon killed his family. But then Phil starts being weird. And we're like, oh, maybe Phil's the problem. Like, we just don't even know. And I really like the story. Like, the whole purpose for us being here is just so different. And the atmosphere is different. The environment is, you know, it's a spooky hospital. But... I like that there's no ridiculous scares. It's all in the mystery of everything. And there's a big buildup there. Like, we don't get any... We're not getting a lot of cheap jump scares or shadows moving, you know. And I I kind of like that. I think it's very simple and it's very well done. And I I like the story. It's just, like I said, those last, like, five minutes maybe that are disappointing. But I, I would give it a watch. I think it's worth your time like I've said like five times it's definitely worth your time and the acting's phenomenal the story's great I like the dialogue and like I said it's just those last few minutes so check it out it's on Shutter. you can also find hard copies of it sometimes and you know hand-me-down thrift stores whatever um but this has been the Beware the Moon podcast sorry I, I feel like I glossed through this one really fast And I'm not really sure why, mostly because I think a lot of this movie is the atmosphere. You really have to be watching it to get the full effect of it. But this has been the Beware the Moon podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. I I keep forgetting to plug my social medias, but I am on Twitter and Instagram at Beware the Moon pod or at Beware the Moon. Yeah, I think it is actually just at the Boar the Moon Pod. So follow me on Instagram and Twitter. And if you'd like to hear me review anything, hit me up and I might give it a shot. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. And I hope to have you guys here with us next time. <laughs>